and welcome to Game Brain, a board game podcast about our gaming group. I'm your host, Tom Donnelly, and we are in round 15, turn 10. These numbers are getting huge. And this is week we're going to be talking about uh, what turns out to be my favorite game of BGG Con, or at least it was at the time. We're going to be talking about Messina. 1347. And then we're going to discuss a social convention that we talk about a lot on the podcast, but we never really dive deep into it. Today, we're going to talk about that elusive thing called the Baxies and uh, uh, figure out where the where the boundaries are for this social convention. We're going to be the Baxie boys. <laughs> Uh, joining me, uh, is, uh, first and foremost, is the man himself, the game enthusiast, the host with the most, the man who started it all, Matthew Robinson. How are you doing, Matt? Back, seas back. All right. <laughs> uh, how many new game organizers have you bought in the last month? Uh, not many. Um, Again, still uh, mainly playing Agricola, other than the handful of a uh, few new games that I'm trying out, like Messina and other things. But um, what's your current yeah. what's your current high score on your online Agricola? Oh, I've hit a sixty before. I probably like sixty two. I think is my highest ever. But you know, anytime you're scoring that high, it's it's usually not because you're doing so well. It's usually because others are playing so poorly. Yes. Yeah, I guess that's probably true. It's it, it is it is a little zero sum, at least in terms of high scores go. Um, yeah. And a second chair. You already heard his voice. You know him. You love him, Dimitri Pornoy. How are you doing, Dimitri? Hello, everybody. Good to see you. Um, let's get right to it. We got a bunch of stuff to talk about. Uh, but first, let's talk about something that happened this week. Just a little interesting tidbit. So. Um, Gaming and gamers, um, it is a sedentary activity for the most part. And so uh, Paul decided, I'm going to do something about that. I'm going to do something radical about that. I'm going to uh, get up off the couch and immediately go into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And he didn't just say he was going to do it. He he put it out there. He Paul put- has done it before. Yes. Paul has several belts and various well, martial arts disciplines. I don't believe he's done it in 20 years. He's been through basic training in the army. Uh, yes, They're, all of these are all Paul, of these. Paul's PR is here, everybody. Uh, he's climbed rocks. Paul would be the first person he's to tell you. He's jumped out of airplanes. Paul would be the first person to tell you he's that scuba the, dove. the person who did all of those things is not the person that sits before you today. He wants to hearing get- Dimitri talk about Paul is, is a lot like in that Saturday Night Live sketch when the, the people are talking about Bill Bradsky. <laughs> Bill Brasky, <laughs> what? <laughs> yes, exactly. That's very much. That's very much what it is. He's. I, I don't know. He's like a. He's like a '90s rapper's hype man. Oh, absolutely. And I look yeah, like one too. <laughs> he is Team Paul. He is hardcore Team Paul. So Paul invited uh, several people to this uh, to this momentous occasion. He invited Jake, who he had already talked to, to martial arts about, and Jake was like, "Boom, in." He invited me, and uh, yeah, I I said yes. I will do. I, it scares me, but I I have a resolve to try to do something at least every month that scares are you, me. Sorry, are you describing something that happened or the third movie in the Wild Hog series? Uh, it, it does sound a little like that, doesn't it? It, it sounds like a Walt Becker vehicle. <laughs> um, and then at game night, he brought it up 
And Bond Halbert, a, a, a friend of the pod and a frequent attender at our game nights, part of our Game Brain crew, uh, also said that he was in. And actually, uh, fifth one, uh, Matt uh, Fonda, uh, Candace's Matt, uh, also said that he wanted to go. He had to drop out at the last minute because he wasn't feeling so well. Uh, and actually, it turns out that uh, he and Candace, uh, uh, I think, were just a little sick this week. I don't think they made it to uh, GMT uh, Con. But in any case, four of us went. We went in there. We did an hour of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh, we all came out looking like drowned rats in, in our own sweat. Uh, but uh, on the drive home, Bond Halbert had a heart attack. He was admitted to Cedars. He went home, immediately told his, his daughter, uh, I think I'm having a heart attack. Drive me to Cedars. Got in there. Uh, and the news is very, very good. They found it. In, they found it early. There was no heart damage. They put in two stents. Uh, he was home the next day and came to game night last night. He had a triumphant return to game night. The only problem, the only thing he did wrong, was he got here five minutes early. He should have gotten fifteen minutes late, and it would have been a hero's welcome. It would have been, it would have been a standing ovation. People would have been throwing palm leaves at the at, at the floor at his feet. Uh, he is, he, he's a, 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 a really amazing guy. He is, just came right back, played Avalon, not only played Avalon, but had his best game of Avalon. You've probably heard people, you know, people like Ben or Matt disparage the way we play Avalon, uh, and, and find it, uh, impenetrable and, uh, and it, that it makes no sense. So it's great. Definitely when- not the adjectives I would use. <laughs> I think I think I think I'm I'm, I'm fairly representing your Impenet- point of view. You think my problem was it that I just don't get it? I, I know it's I know it's that, <laughs> that you just don't that, get it. That, you you, you, that, you claim whatever, whatever gets you to sleep at night. You claim okay. that things you claim that the the things that we do don't mean Avalon. anything. You big brain Avalon player, too smart for me. Yeah, I I listen. I understand that you don't think like, that, but that's okay. That, 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 it's okay. But, well, eagle-eyed Bond. Yes. Go ahead, Tom. No, you tell him. Oh, sure. Um, I was Merlin. Uh, Tom was uh, Percival. He was seated at an angle far away from me. Uh, and in we're supposed to make love to each other with our eyes and indicate we did. Uh, who the spies are. And uh, Bond, eagle-eyed Bond, saw that. He saw, the, uh, he saw a point. Did, he saw a single point. But points yes, are points are particular. Yeah. Deduced, uh, deduced uh, that I was Merlin. Not only that, but in the discussion of the bad guys at the end, Paul was like, "Are you, are you sure?" Because I'm pretty th- and Bond would be unmoved, and he was the assassin, so he gets to choose who it was. He said, "No, I, I'm. I know that it's Dimitri." Went with Dimitri. And it was they won. They, they won. Yeah, we were. Uh, ha- we had our faces down on the table. Uh, Elder was sitting next to me. Elder was the assassin, and and Elder said, "Dimitri," and and I uh, felt the edge of his palm uh, <laughs> hit the back of my neck. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, they were right. Do you want to know what what I have uh, come to realize that we are missing from our meta? We are missing a crucial crucial aspect to our meta. Fun? Uh, no, it's a it's a it's a good guess, Matt. You just don't understand the game. It's, impen- it's, just, it's, it's impenetrable. impenetrable. It's impenetrable. Here's what here's what needs to happen. Every <laughs> basic blue player, every basic blue player, should be pointing at people. Oh, yeah. 
that usually happens. <laughs> no, no, no. But if but but listen to me. If every basic blue player is pointing, that means that the bad guys are going to have to do pointing too, and that is going to camouflage because only Percival knows who to be looking at in terms of who they're pointing. Uh, Tom, will you do the choreography? I I will listen. I will. Mention we could it do to an interpretive dance. I will mention it pointing. to the group. I would mention it to the group that if you're a good guy to give Merlin cover. Just be pointing, be shifty, be pointing at people, be doing stuff, and you'll give cover. But Tom, the bad guys will figure out that Merlin is the guy who's pointing at the right bad guys. No, because at the correct uh, bad guys. Well, no, no, no. See, the difference is is that in the way we play it now, you're looking for one person signal, any one person signaling, and in this situation, it's the needle in the haystack. You're not going to know the needle in the haystack because people are going to be people are going to be doing weird stuff and it's going to be drawing your eye it's going to be much harder to single single out the actual signal as opposed to those non-signals but we we have we have matt robinson this might even be impenetrable to our audience at this point (laughs) i I, i'm just glad bond is all right and uh i hope uh everybody in our group does whatever they can to be as healthy as they can and you know part of getting healthy is remembering that uh pushing yourself is is often uh not healthy and Doing I, it in a way that's healthy for you is is the right way to do it. I think that's dead on right. I I need I need to hire. Well, I a, would slow down with dead on right, Tom. Let's. <laughs> I need to hire a little insensitive. I need to hire a task rabbit to just walk behind me and whisper whisper memento mori, memento that's mori. Uh, we that's have it. another piece of good news. Uh, to report, Tom, you want to save that till the end of the podcast? Or no, that's, no, that's the first, that right that's the top, the first element in the news, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get to the news. Good evening, Mr. Mr. North of South America. All the ships and clippers at sea. Let's go to press. Play. Uh, you can call it a three-peat if you want. The Golden Geek Awards have announced the official nominations uh, for Best Podcast and all the other categories as well. And uh, our little podcast has been nominated again. Three out of three. The Congratulations third... to us. Congratulations Woo! to us. But really what this is about is thank you to all of our listeners, to everybody tuning in who voted for us. It, it means it, it's... It's a weird little thing. You know, you, you podcast for a while. Luckily, we have a big group of people, and so we enjoy each other's company anyway, and we love doing it. But this kind of feedback, it really does put some wind in our sails. It's, a, it's an amazing thing, and we, we're so appreciative of that. Now we need to do the even harder work, which is get that win. And Matt, you brought up something very interesting the other day about the tenor of the competition this year as opposed to years past, right? Yeah, well, let me just make a quick little pitch here. This is our third year doing the podcast, and we have been uh, very fortunate to have garnered a a, a good sized audience, uh, a, a, as big of an audience as 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 almost any other board game podcast has at this point. And I'm very proud of it, considering that we, you know, we we, we cater to the heavier side, which is a smaller audience in the board gaming world, mm-hmm. and uh, the people who listen seem to stick around, and I'm very grateful for that. We've we have been nominated three years in a row, which is great. And every other year I've looked at it and there have been, you know, giants in our industry up against us, such as uh, Shut Up and Sit Down, No Pun Included, uh, Heavy Cardboard, mm-hmm. uh, So Very Wrong About Games. And um, they've all won. And so I think BGG has a thing about if you've won, you can't be nominated again. And I'm just going to say, you know, I'm, I'm a humble guy. Right. I'm a humble guy. Yep. 
I, I've had to step away from this podcast due to children and work. And the people who have put their, their blood, sweat, and tears into this podcast are, are least of all me at this point. And Tom and Trey and Dimitri and Paul and Jennifer when she was with ben. us. Ben. And Candace and Ben and Alfred and Jesse and Elder uh, and Jake. Everybody works really hard on this. And I... I've been happy to be nominated for three years in a row, and I would be happy just to be nominated for 10 more. But it would really mean a lot to me if all the people who work tirelessly, we have no Patreon, nobody makes any money on this. Everybody just does it out of the love of, their, of the hobby and, and the community. And I, I, I would take this moment to ask you to please vote for us and Board Game Geeks, 16th Annual Golden Geek Awards. You can rank your podcasts from one to 10. I think there are 10 different nominees every year. You can rank from one to 10. I would ask that you vote for us for number one. If we are your favorite podcast, if you have a couple minutes to do that, I think it would be quite an amazing feat for us to win and be a wonderful reward for everybody who works for free really hard to bring us a great podcast every week. So uh, it, to me, it would be the ultimate gift that I could give my friends who have worked so hard to, to make this happen. And and it would have died if it was just on my shoulders because I, I, I wouldn't have been able to keep it going. So, um, yeah, if you have a second and the inclination and you believe we are the best podcast or your favorite, I would really appreciate your vote. I just want to add on to that and say, and, and that's fantastically put, wonderfully put, uh, even if you don't believe we're the best podcast, please put us number one. <laughs> As Not necessary, best, yeah. As best podcast, if you could. Um, in order to vote, uh, the front page of Board Game Geek has uh, has a link to the Golden Geek Awards. Um, and in order to vote, you are going to have to either be a supporting user, have a supporter badge from any year, or uh, pay twenty geek gold in order to uh, to to get in or have purchased an avatar. Those are the three things. Uh, a lot of people who, who go to the geek have met one of those three criteria. Uh, if not, I think our Facebook group has occasionally given, a, 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 you know, have people that occasionally say, hey, I got geek gold to give to anybody if you don't have it and things like that. Yeah, so if, if you need the geek gold to vote, and this is in no way me bringing someone, you're welcome to vote for whoever you want. I just, I would love if you can't vote and want to, you could you could geek mail me on the geek at Trilamb, T-R-I-L-A-M-B, and I will send you whatever geek gold you need in order to be able to vote. And again, vote for anyone. You're Whoever you want. To. I'm just, I, I can help you vote. You do not have to vote for us. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, I, I, it really is. It, it really is a wonderful thing that, that to, to be nominated and to be nominated for the third time in a row. It, it means a lot to us, it, it, you know, especially some, in the difficult year. Yeah. We've had two difficult years in a row, the really heavy pandemic year and the year emerging from the pandemic with, uh, regulations, um, and mandates changing so swiftly. We came. To, uh, we went back to uh, gaming in person, and we had to scale that back again. Yep. Uh, that that does affect us. Uh, we are friends, um, and not seeing each other uh, as much as we'd like, uh, and and coming up with content content despite that. Yep. Uh, it, it there's been soul searching. There's been uh, a lot of actual work. Uh, that wasn't as enjoyable, perhaps, as before uh, for this podcast. Uh, and I'm, I'm really glad that uh, everyone on it is so dedicated. Yeah. You have until the end of the month to vote. Voting closes 
on May 1st at midnight. So April 30th will be your last chance to vote, which is seven days from now. So if you're hearing this, go vote. This is a this is a a vote that is uh, that says a lot because you can also vote for best game, best heavy game, best midweight game, all sorts of different categories. Best innovative, most innovative game. Uh, it, it's a great way to to reward the people in the hobby that you think are uh, pushing the hobby in the direction that speaks to you. So please do. Thank you very very much. We appreciate that. Uh, and you know what. While we're on the subject, if you if you uh, uh, like the podcast and you haven't already, uh, liking and subscribing is a great way for us to become more visible on the various sites as well. We say this, you know, a lot of podcasts say that, almost every podcast, we say that about two times a year. So we just throw that out there right now. And you won't miss an episode. There you go. Um, in other news, uh, Viticulture World, there's been a little bit of a brouhaha. There was a, a, a video posted by Thinker Themer. Uh, discussing Viticulture World. One of my favorite, very favorite YouTube channels, who actually, I, I was a fan, and they reached out a while ago and said they were a fan of ours, and I, I was just tickled that they that they enjoyed our podcast because I, I was already a huge fan of theirs. And, and, and if you are not a fan of theirs or aware of theirs, you should go check out Thinker Themer on YouTube because they are amazing. Yeah, and and it was a it was a, a, a kind of a touching video. Um, uh, uh, the one of the two women was was obviously visibly uh, upset about something that was in Viticulture World, and that is Viticulture World has cards that represent conquistadors, and not just conquistadors in general, but specific ones that were uh, so very destructive to uh, her cultural identity and and. Uh, the sins of the past and and, and all of that. Well, her, uh, her actual uh, people, correct? <laughs> not not just the culture, but the yeah. But, uh, yes. There was a genocide. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and, and I thought they did a really good job of uh, of you know breaking down exactly what it was that was the the problem. It was it, the way they described it is that the game has a disclaimer in the box that says. There are personages on cards. Uh, we, we, they historically did bring wine to these other these other places. That does not erase their cultural history. We do not support in any way them or anything like that. Uh, and, and they they said that they appreciated that. But then in the playing of the game, they realized that you're tapping these monsters. You're you're using these monsters to gain a, an in-game advantage. And, you know, and they put it in slightly different terms and said, let's take some other historical monsters. Would you would you would you balk if uh, Stalin was a, a character in which you could activate in order to gain an advantage in the game, knowing what knowing what's going on? And it was right. it was well, I, I thought that it was an interesting point. And the good news is that uh, Jamie Stegmeier uh, immediately responded to that, uh, actually before the, the video was recorded. I think they reached out privately to him before Correct. putting the video up. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, and he is going to be uh, issuing two new cards to replace the cards that uh, are, are problematic. And uh, they won't be able to, because of the timescale of games, it will not be going out with the first edition, but they will be going out shortly thereafter. 
and uh, they said that they that even though it was was resolved, they they still wanted to record that video because uh, it, awareness is important is an important thing. So, uh, and I believe all future printings will have the yes. The, cards as well. Correct. America had grapes before. The Vikings called America Vineland because of all the grapes that uh, grew here. Right, but but grapes and viticulture are different things. Sure, because they're further south. But we can all learn about the Vikings growing wine um, in Northman. <laughs> I, I, just, I just left the theater from seeing it about 20 minutes before I walked into this podcast. All right, and so uh, now we're going to divert into our movie review podcast. What do you think, man? <laughs> I was ready. Uh, I saw it last. I saw it yesterday before game night, and when I came in, I was ready to disembowel everyone. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of that director, so I'm I'm, I'm prone to like pretty much anything Robert Eggers does. Awesome, awesome. But uh, everything, everywhere, people. That's all I'm going to say. Everything, yeah. everywhere. Un- all at once. Get it right. See it. Get the full title right. I, I'm, I'm shortening it. I'm not because we're not we're not that podcast. That's not the podcast that we're on. Uh, in other news, we got you know this is a short news segment, but we got a lot of we got a lot of good good stuff here. Autobahn coming out in 2022. Uh, the designers are Fabio Lopiano and Nestor uh, Manjon. Uh, hopefully, I said those names somewhat close to right. Uh, if you don't know who they are, Fabio Lopiano uh, burst onto the scene. His first game design was Kalamala, a very good game. Uh, he then has gone on to do games like Merv. He's, he's, he's a hot, hot designer. He teamed up with Nestor Mangone, who is one of the Italian crew. Uh, he was the designer of um, Newton and Darwin's Journey. So these are two pretty serious designers that have designed a economic strategy game about the building of the Autobahn. Uh, Rado has a quick peek at it. There's uh, uh, Slicker Drips, I think, also has a, uh, a playthrough online. I checked it out. It feels a little Kanban to me. It does. It has the uh, seats on the boards of, 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 of corporations that run uh, the various highways. Uh, it's a combination to me, Age of Steam and, and, and Cube Delivery Games uh, and Kanban. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. And maybe even a, 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 just a smidge of Hansa Titanica in the sense that as you're expanding, you're unlocking things that are going to give you greater power over the course of the game. Sure. What, what I found a little weird about it uh, is that it's a 90-minute to two-and-a-half-hour game, which in my book is three to four hours easy. That's 3.1 weight, and that seems a little low for the description and for the length. So this something I wouldn't, I wouldn't base anything on an early weight like that. They're, they're never accurate until the game's been out for a year or two at least. Yeah, we, we've we've seen those those weights, those pre-release uh, weights shift fairly, they don't need anything, fairly yeah. significantly very quickly. I, 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 the only reason I'm not more excited is because all I know is the games that the designers have done before, and they're all games that I liked enough to play once, and probably never again. Like like uh, I liked Newton well enough to play it once. Yeah. Uh, I liked um, uh, Merv once. I liked Ragusa once. I liked Kalimala once. You didn't and like Kalimala more. That- I, I thought Kalamala was a, was a game that I could go back to. 
Now that said, Maybe I've twice. only I've only yeah. played it twice, but yeah. I also don't own it. I so. just I just felt they were all interesting, and uh, that's as much as I got. Now, could they blow me out of the water? Of course, and I'm interested in that. But when all I have, and also by the way, Darwin's Journey is uh, another game that uh, Nestor Mangone has. Uh, uh, created yeah. and I did enjoy I really enjoyed my play of that and I'm very excited for more I backed that as well on Kickstarter I don't think we'll get it till end of the year or something but I, I really enjoyed uh, it as well Elder brought it in and taught it yeah. uh, Elder is a huge fan and has played it several times yeah I, I so played it three you know or four they could be myself. on a roll and, and this could be another great one but I'm kind of in the slowing down in my Kickstarter backing phase well you were you were kind of you had a you had an auto backing button that seemed to be stuck for a while there. Well, so I had a podcast, should. and you know, I felt like <laughs> if I, if it wasn't a game I loved, it was something that was worthy of being reviewed. Often, so yeah, I, I was in a phase where I was backing pretty much anything that seemed interesting to me, and now I have an office full of games, and I, I wish I had one tenth of them. Uh, to to clarify, uh, Autobahn covers the building of the autobahns from. After the end of World War II. Okay, because problematic history. Got it. Excellent. Um, And by the way, uh, folks, I now realize that I skipped over game night. We will do that after the news. That will be coming up. Don't adjust your dial. Uh, second thing up, uh, this I, I, I think Maddie's going to back this one. I think this is the one he's going to go for. Art. I mean, look, I'm still, I'm, 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 I have a soul, you know. I mean, like, oh. I, I still can, I can get got sometimes for we're sure. Gonna, we're going to get you. Don't you worry. We're going to feed you, baby bird. Don't you worry. Arcs, the new yeah. whole whirly design. Uh, did, did Matt? Did you look at the uh, the design diary? Yeah, of course. I've been subscribed to it I, since the day it was added on BGG. Uh, Did you notice? Look, here's also that my his... thing with Cole Worley. Nobody likes Cole Worley as much as me, and I, so I, I, I'm losing my enthusiasm because nobody wants to play with me. I don't think anybody played Oath with me more than once, and I thought it was fascinating. Nobody wants to play Root with me. Nobody. I mean, people will play Pax Premier Second Edition with me, but it's not that easy to get people to play it. I don't. I, you people have thrown water on my Cole Worley love, and I, I just don't have the right group for it. I think. You people, really? Yeah, listen, board game geekers. Listen to me, all right? I do not think that uh, that that Oath is a good is a great game. I do not love it, and how, I how also and I also it? don't three. That's it, three. Really? When did you play it three times? What are you talking about? Do you, do you think you're the only person that has these games? Do you think the only person that stands Cole Worley? You, you own Oath? No, I don't own Oath. I sold well, of it. Of course you don't. I just—I only remember playing it with you once, so I'm trying to figure out when else you played it. Instead of challenging each other, let's mention (laughs) (laughs) that this new game. I will play John Company with you any day. I will play Pax Premier with you any day, and this is really interesting. He's doing a a trilogy. He's doing a narrative storytelling game, and when he talked about. Uh, space. space. <laughs> well, there you go. It's in three parts. Each of these three parts is ninety minutes long, so it's even more of a commitment. So, mm. of course, this will be, get brought to our table. If anything gets me more excited, it's a lifestyle game or a campaign. Here, it's here's a, what it's a short campaign. I'm going to tell you what excites me. When he talked about how he was going to design the mechanisms of this game, he went back to his examples were. Three games. He brought up El Grande, Condottier, and Taj Mahal. 
two of my, like El Grande and Taj Mahal, I talk about all the time. You've heard me on this podcast multiple times say that the, that the mechanic that I love the most that I have never seen them bring back was the Taj Mahal card bidding mechanic. And mm-hmm. here he is, he's doing it. He's, he's using exactly that mechanic in crafting it in his, in his own way. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. I, I cannot be, I could not get more on board with Cole Worley's thinking. Uh, it's, it's impossible for me to have gotten, to, to get more excited about Cole Worley, despite the fact that the last two games of his, I'm not crazy about. Uh, I'm very interested in this. I think this uh, is. I'm the only person who puts my money where my mouth is when it comes to Cole Worley, so we'll see. I'm going to back this one. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. We'll I'm going to back this Is this one. going to Kickstarter? I don't know if it is, is it? Well, then I'll buy it. Fine. Yeah. Verbiage. Uh, okay. And last but not Leader least. Leader games, I don't think they. Well, I guess they do do Kickstarter. Sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and last but not least, a new Mind Clash game is going to be coming out. Uh, they, we've got some information about Septima. We we have, we have some more information. We've heard about Septima before, but we have more information about it. We have some look at the art, look at the cards, uh, some uh, look at some of the wooden pieces, and it looks absolutely gorgeous. And I don't know, it, well, the witch theming, the kind of Salem witch era theming for me gets around my natural predilection away from the fantasy realm. Like I don't, uh, for some reason, I don't mind this this theming. This theming doesn't because you oh, believe I'm, I'm in witches. Super down for witches theme, right? Yeah. I uh, think, um, this is a simultaneous card play game and a territory control game. So it reminds me of Brian Boru, mm-hmm. uh, and it also reminds me of a game we played uh, uh, at Matt's on Tuesday, uh, 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 a retheming of Libertaria. Libertalia. Libertalia. Yeah, Libertalia. Libertalia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, yep. uh, playing simultaneous cards is very anxiety-provoking. Mm-hmm. So that should fit into the witch theme very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, some of my favorite games, like Dirk Hen, uh, who who did Brian Baru, uh, also did Wallenstein and Shogun, which was a re-theming of, of, of Wallenstein, which is a massive simultaneous card selection a game that works amazingly well uh, as a as a kind of a euro war game really really highly recommended um yeah listen mind yeah, Cl- i'm curious it's it's a new designer for mind clash i don't this is their first mind clash game um correct but usually my the mind clash games have sort of been sort of an in-house group of designers um Turks- so this and be friends, interesting. right you haven't played uh, Perseverance yet, right? I have not. I have not played Perseverance yet. I played Perseverance. I- That's another game that this uh, game reminds me because of because of the territory control aspects. Look, you know, if I'm if I'm betting, right? If I have to bet and predict what a game is going to hit and what game isn't going to hit, what do you choose? Do you do you go with the designer first? Do you go with the publisher first? I think for the most part, I, w- I would go heavier on the designers. But I will say that pl- uh, shops like Capstone and Mind Clash have mm-hmm. such a track record lately, such yep. a track record that I, I, I almost put them into the same category as my favorite designers in terms of, you know what, I'm going to trust you. Your, your, your process has been yielding great results, and I think your quality control is high. What's, what's funny about Mind Clash is they, they fit in a weird space for us because on the table – 
this this is a game that most people in our group roll their eyes at and and and, and at with all mind clash games especially you know anachrony and this one there's minis it's overproduced yep. there's a billion little pieces and it looks like you know as as we say an ameritrash game and even i was playing it next to trey and he sees dice and dinosaurs and i could just feel <laughs> his you know uh mistrust for for the game and their games are often like extremely heavy extremely tight um uh, pretty old school in a lot of their mechanics often and and it, i feel like it falls in a weird place because it's like the people who like really heavy games aren't necessarily looking for a game that looks like this and the people that are looking for a game that looks like this aren't often looking for a game this heavy uh and this sort of punishing in a lot of ways so it, it, i don't know it falls whereas once i felt like it was the holy grail of like this is everything i'm looking for i'm finding it often turns off all the people that i would that would I would think would like this game. I mean, it at least they, these games tend to play exactly like the kind of games we love, but it right. tends they tend to look not at all like the kind of games that we love. I, I, Anachrony is a great example. It is yeah. a very good Euro. It plays really yeah. really well. Um, the design, the artists who worked on uh, on this game, who worked on Septima, are the same artists that did have done everything. Yeah, Tricarian, which we love. Yeah. Yeah. And, huge, and the theme and the, here. And the, and, oh, sorry, Dimitri, let me just sorry. finish one point, which is that a Chikarian is one of those things that is kind of overproduced, but because there are no miniatures, it still it still looks acceptable to our eyes, I think, a little bit. Maybe mm-hmm. there's a, maybe there's just yeah. a mini bias. The yeah, theme they also here. have hour-long teaches, which is rough. Yes, yes. Chikarian is a tough teach. The theme here is really fresh. Uh, and what I like is that it's a theme that seems ready-made for one of those 50-person werewolf sessions uh, <laughs> at a convention, but it's treated with serious, uh, interesting mechanisms. And it's also not cursing witches. It's witches who heal. It's witches who help each other but compete with each other. It's witches who try to protect their coven or coven? Coven. Co- coven. coven. Yeah, Covenant. Covenant. yeah. So I, I think it's an interesting <laughs> there is, development. It's I have a, to say, there is a there is a movie called American Movie. It is a documentary. Oh, of, the best, the best. So great. It is a. It is this. It is these two um, people on the outside that are megalomaniacs. That that they they're like trash collectors or whatever. They like got almost no job. They live with their moms and stuff like that. They're stoners. And they are going to make the greatest horror movie ever. And it's called Coven. And as they're filming it, one of the actors who is just this devilish looking guy who you totally believe is actually into this stuff says, um, it's Coven. He's like, yeah. Coven? Coven? No, it's Coven, yeah. man. You don't get it. It is, if you want to watch a documentary that, that, it's like Spinal Tap, but the people in it don't realize they're in a, a mockumentary. That is what it's yeah. like. It is astonishing. Directed, directed by Chris Smith, who's maybe right. my favorite documentary director. And he, yeah. he, he did a, a thing called uh, 100 Foot Wave, which is a six-part HBO series this year that was crazy, He's right? Still, still doing great work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before that, he did American Job, which is another great documentary. But American oh, Movie yeah. is, is my favorite. I was at Sundance when it came out. And I partied with those guys 
we took them around for the for the night and and brought them to into we had like passes so we brought them into all the the different parties and stuff like that and made them feel like rock stars and i purchased a vh copy vhs copy of coven which i still have to this day is signed by them uh, it is one of my favorite most prized possessions but Super you know, cool. it is coven uh let's move on hold on hold on oh, one man. piece of news please uh, and that's uh, there was an episode of hbo's lakers series which is fantastic winning time winning time thank you um and, and it featured Monopoly. It featured long extended sequences of Jerry Buss playing Monopoly with his mother. Jerry <laughs> Buss is the manager of the Lakers and playing Monopoly with his coach who'd been in a bicycle accident and was in hospital bed in the hospital bed. What's interesting to me is that Monopoly is still Mm-hmm. Are a major referent. It's still something that people think about. And it drove a point about Monopoly that I hadn't considered before, even though I played it that way most of the time. It's a great two-person game. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. and I cannot think It's a great two-person game? It's a great two-person game. great two-person game? It's a great two-person game. It, it, hey, it's as good don't, with don't two people as young. A, Go for it, Dimitri. You, well, you, I hope you find someone to play it with. The, the thing is, is that I mostly played it with one person, and I bet you most people have played it with one person. Dimitri, if you want to play it at a game night, I have a strategy for you. You tell them, okay, guys, we, can, we only can play two games tonight. It, we're either going to play Monopoly or Oath. Monopoly will be on the table. Uh, again, Ladies let us not we, attack each other. We love Cole Worley. We love him. We love no, Cole. you don't. You I don't, don't love that game. I'm allowed to not like a game. I'm allowed to not like a game. You, you're allowed to find uh, Avalon impenetrable. It's okay. It's all right. I, I, I believe I he does not fight it impenetrable. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get to this week's game night. Now, because the world is upside down, we're not just talking about this week's game night. We're talking about things that we played recently that we didn't mention on the podcast. So let's uh, start with that. Um, uh, Matt, what what are some games that have been played recent that you played recently? Uh, I played the new version. Of, are we talking about things that were played this week, or you just mean yeah. in general? Yeah. Uh, well, I played the new version of Libertalia. Uh, what's it called? Winds of Gale Crest, I believe. It's Stonemeyer's uh, new version of Libertalia, which I had actually never played before. Really but I'm always looking for a six-player game that's uh, fun and not too long and doesn't rhyme with Bribune, um, <laughs> which I like, but it is the only six-player game we play. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we got it to the table. We played it with six and I, I think it is a fun family affair. I am glad to have a six player game that I feel like I could teach to non gamers and anyone. And I think would also be enjoyable for most gamers. And, and I think it was enjoyable for most gamers at the table. It's a 10 minutes teach or even less, uh, as long as you're willing to read the cards on your own and figure out what, what they mean. Um, it has an interesting mechanism of cards activating in one direction and then in another, and then a third time when the characters visit the ship. Uh, it's a pretty tight game. It's a competitive game. It's a game that plays in an hour. Uh, 
it's a game that made me extremely anxious because it's a simultaneous card play and you can actually get killed. My question with the game is this, is that there were a couple rounds where the... So there's a large deck of cards. And on any given... 40 40 cards. And on any given round, eight cards are going to be in the mix, essentially. Plus plus or minus, because there are ways that that people can have more cards or less cards in their hand uh, based on certain factors. Um, those car- everyone plays with the same eight cards each round. So one person shuffles their deck, picks out the cards, and then everyone just matches that that hand. There were a couple rounds where there were some really great decisions to be made because there were you know a couple people found this combination and tried to play off of that, and another couple people tried a different methodology of of using their cards and ordering their cards, and and that was pretty great. Um, but then there were other rounds, you know, two or three other rounds that kind of the card combinations just didn't seem to add up to much and seemed to play a little flat. So, you know, mm. it, listen, for a first play, I, I don't I, I don't know what to say other than that's that's my first impression. My first impression is that the game can sing, but what is the consistency that it will do so is my well, question. Well, they sacrificed, I think, a little bit of polish and tightness for your playability. Yeah. Because the randomness means you can play it again and again and different things will happen. Yep. Uh, I had minor quibbles with the iconography. Uh, a lot of the wooden tokens that you collected looked a little bit the same. Uh, but overall... They're plastic. Yeah. Oh, Okay, plastic, I'm plastic sorry. Color. I I quit. I obviously can't. <laughs> don't know what I'm talking about. But the plastic tokens look a little bit the same. Um, and but you know the the characters are fun. They actually do interact a lot of them in interesting ways. It's not a single character that I can think of that I saw that is completely useless. Mm. Uh, and the art is fairly enjoyable. So this is I, how much does I it think cost? We'll, I think we'll have a full review of it soon, so we, we shouldn't get too deep into it. Sure. But it, uh, I think this is a, like a forty dollar game. I believe it's not wildly expensive, and I, I think it's um, I think it fits a good spot for uh, basically playing with anybody. I mean, I feel like I could teach this to anybody. Sorry, yeah. it's uh, it's it's. Fifty bucks. Fifty bucks. This is a, a lunch this isn't a heavy. Game. Yeah, it isn't a heavy gamer game, but it is. It is easily accessible by just about anybody. I think that's totally right. Yeah. Um, then we also brought out Hansa Titanica, and we played on the uh, Britannia map. And man, oh man, I, I just got to say personally, it's like meeting that meeting that old flame that you haven't seen in ten years. And gosh, she's just as beautiful as she was back then. I mean, it's such a good game. There, there are a handful of games that when I'm playing them, I'm thinking, well, this is just the best game ever made. Nothing compares. And this is one of those games that every time I'm playing it, I'm just thinking, why do we, I even said out loud, why do we play anything other than this? Like, <laughs> like it's just, I mean, I feel that way when I play Age of Steam. I feel that way when I play Brass. I feel that way when I play Food Chain Magnet. There's just a handful of games. And I'm just like, why are we bothering with other games? Like, this and exists. I left. Uh, I did not want to play that game because the board was upside down to me. I couldn't read the Germanic letters. The glare from the lamp yeah. meant I couldn't see the colors of any of the tokens. Like, um, like Matt said, it's the perfect game. It's the perfect game. It's a perfect <laughs> game. 
the uh, the fifth wheel or the sixth wheel in that case left and a fine yeah. good time was said by all. It is uh, one complaint I will have is that the board is a little small for a five player game, and so it is hard for five people to ever be sitting close enough so that everybody has a good vantage of it. And it is it is not a not one of these massive table hogs, which I also think is a great thing. It doesn't take up a huge amount of space, but it's not just it small. It's not just small. It's incredibly difficult to read. It's very tangled, uh, and. Um, uh, iconography is important. This feels like a game from 20, 30 years ago uh, when people didn't care about design. I, I, yeah, for me, my quibbles with it uh, have always been uh, there's a little bit, especially with the bonus tiles, there is some, there is some take yeah. that that is a little uh, unbalanced and sometimes a little unnecessary. Um, Not all the tiles are balanced. The one that gives you four actions is just broken. And if it comes out, everyone should stop doing whatever they can to get it. Except that when it comes out, the next player is the person that is going almost guaranteed to get it. Right. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's just, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And and the ones where you move, where you move three of three of the opponent's pieces on the board, uh, it, it, it just can, in a tight, tough game where there is take that naturally right but take that in the game uh, the game compensates you for being moved off of where you want to be and right. in this one instance no you could just be scattered to the to, to the winds and it, it is a it is an imposition it is, it is a little problematic it's not it's not it's a still it's deal. still it's a it's a 9.5 for me oh i, I yeah i might even put it a might even put it a 10 the quibbles are minor uh, and then, uh, if something has quibbles, it can't be a 10, can it? Yeah, sure. It can. I, uh, there's no, there's no perfect game. There's no perfect game. Uh, except Monopoly. Except Democker. Except Democker. Except Agricola. Except Avalon. Speaking of Avalon, we already discussed Avalon. We already discussed what happened. Dimitri was, uh, was Merlin. I was Percival. And, uh, what can I say? We got, we got caught. We got caught. Somebody saw us doing what we did. We we had done so good up until then, though, because Dimitri was like, I don't know who to trust late in the game. And I'm saying, Dimitri, do not mess this up. Dimitri, do not smash, snatch defeat. And I was like yelling at Dimitri to get on board, telling him that I know what the you know who's good and, and, and who's bad. And Bond, by the way, told me today, he said, by the way, that thing you were doing with Dimitri, where you were pretending to be to, to to you know try and convince him, like that would have been really good if I hadn't seen him point. <laughs> so, and it fooled, it was all my fault. It fooled Paul. No, 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 no. It's not it your fault. It's not your fault. fault. You got caught. It's it's going to happen. You you you're Merlin. You have to find some way to get information to me. I'm not sitting. I'm not sitting next to you. I'm not in an easy to reach spot. You have to figure out a way to do it. And the wrong person just happened to be looking at the exact right. Time. Oh, or the right person. Yeah, I guess, I, I guess that's true. Um, and then we split up into uh, two groups of four. One group played Railways of the World and one group played Arcanova. Anybody want, anybody want to take a guess how many times Elder thinks he has played Arcanova? I think 200. Uh, half of that, but half of that. Yeah, about hundred. He, he thinks that he's probably circling the hundred, the hundred play mark. He and really he still loves. I'm it. so disappointed. He's the binge gamer. He loves it, loves it. And and guess what? Jake had never played it before. Jake had a great time. He 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 did not score well at all, but he loved playing it and wants to play it again. 
Uh, my son Aiden has been coming to game nights. He's uh, 18, and uh, he guess what? He loved it too. So uh, it's a, it's a hit. It's a hit. It's a really really good game. And yeah. might as well might as well say this ahead of time. I picked um, the review the review we're doing today, Messina, as my uh, favorite game of. 2021 because i hadn't played uh, arc nova enough and now no question about it arc nova if, if i could wipe the slate and change my vote my vote was for arc nova uh hands down best game so shall we start year. shall we stop recording right now no we're not we're not talking about the, if, whether it's the best game we're talking about if it's a, if it's a good game uh railways of the world dimitri what'd you think uh, it's a Martin Wallace game. Uh, it's very much like Age of Steam. Uh, it confused me because it seems to be simpler than Age of Steam in terms of execution, mm -hmm. uh, but it is as deep in terms of strategy. Mm. Uh, and and uh, again, it's a game I'd like to play again. Um, uh, I was playing with the wrong rule. Uh, when it was explained to me, it completely destroyed my strategy. Got it. Um, and, but I appreciate that game. I respect that game. Um, unlike Age of Steam, mm. please correct me if I'm wrong, sure. uh, you can start building uh, from any point afterwards. Your, your, your network does not have to be continuous. It does not in Age of Steam either. There is uh, there is one or two maps that have a rule that that you must build contiguously, but almost no other maps. Like the like ninety five percent of Age of Steam games, you do not have to build contiguously. Okay. But there are so many bonuses mm -hmm. that have to do with connecting cities. Sure, and of course you you uh, get points on delivering goods by links, sure. so building short links doesn't make sense, except it does make sense in certain points. It's a rich game, it's a complex game, and it has a ton of cheap, well, no, actually, good-looking big plastic pieces that don't do anything. <laughs> when, when you exhaust the goods from a city, you place a giant polished water tower or, or station on it and all it does is tell you that city is done it, it's hysterical i think that's a good sense of humor ben brought it in he was kind enough to teach it i think ben likes it more than age of steam uh, there's an argument to be made more than age of steam ben likes wow. it more than age of steam uh i can see why i disagree but i i'm not angry at i haven't even ben played it, it i disagree it, it there listen Martin Wallace designed three different games, right? He designed Age of Steam, in which John Borer started to claim that he had designed it, which does not appear to be true, but there's you know some dispute about that. Uh, so then he moved on to create Steam, which was was able to be his alone and not his. And then he did rail, and then he also did Railways of the World, and they're all very similar games. They are all uh, flavors of the same ice cream. Uh, so to speak. So Ooh. the the differences in them are quite slight. So you can easily prefer one or the other because they're all, you know, you're you're still you're still having the same treat. It's still that for me the reason Age of Steam hands down is the best is because the the how many different maps have been made for that game, how many variants yeah. and variations have been made for that game that even if Railways has these two rule tweaks make the game make the base game better, the variety of ways you can play Age of Steam is just it, it's just a cornucopia. It's just it's never ending. 
Yeah. Uh, we played Anno 1800, uh, uh, the Martin previous Wallace. game night. Yep. We, 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 have, we haven't discussed that yet. That was my first play of it. Uh, I thought it was interesting, but after a while, I felt like I was a switchboard operator <laughs> connecting different pieces, all of which had faces on them. The faces moving your farmer down and moving them over. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. It, 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 after a while, it made me feel like a computer in the old fashioned sense of the word, where, that, where I'm trying to maximize the various links. Uh, and, and when I get into that mode, I find it difficult to enjoy the theme of what I'm supposed to be doing, which is I'm supposed to be building a technological civilization, right? I'm supposed to be having an industrial revolution. I don't know what the activity that I'm doing with uh, the actual cardboard uh, uh, pieces, moving them around, or are they plastic? Are they they're c- wood? The wood, wood oh, okay, whatever I'm doing with them, what how that relates to the theme? Oh, I yeah, I don't share that 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 issue. I think it's it's pretty clear, but I do understand what you're saying about it, you are operating levers of a machine, right? And the levers of that yes. machine are a society. You're making this so that you can use that to make that and so on and so forth. Uh, but I, I really do love that game. I, I, I enjoy it quite a bit. I recommend that you you play it a little bit more. And maybe I should, I should, yes. We'll, we'll blend in. But it's, uh, it's Je- worth... Jennifer loves that game as well, right? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people love that game. We're, we're, we're fans of it here. Uh, and then last but not least, you played uh, So Clover last night, didn't you? Uh, we did. What do you think? I, I like word-based party games. Uh, I think you find out a, a lot about yourself and about how your friends think. Uh, and uh, yeah, like at what, uh, like uh, Ben Ben picked Caduceus to describe emergency and sword. And I, I'm thinking, okay, Caduceus is a staff. It's not a sword, but maybe Ben thinks that, or maybe. It just looks close enough to a sword right. um, to would, to make sense. Would Damocles have uh, been better? <laughs> well, but in yeah, oh, emergency, maybe not. Caduceus is still because of the medical connection. Sure, sure, sure. But you see how quickly you can get into the weeds. How sure. quickly you can get into mythology and science and all those things. And then the question is. Do I know it? Do, yeah. do do I know it correctly? Am I right? It's, it's <laughs> Is a the very, other it's a very, right? very yeah. good game because it's forcing you to make connections between words that have no connections, and it forces you to really do some lateral thinking and get way outside of the box. Which it's yeah, great. It's, I had a lot of fun. It's very good. I'm glad. Uh, let's move on to the review. We're talking today about Messina thirteen forty seven. Uh, the designer is one of our uh, one of our buddies, right? Uh, Tom, Tom, before you go on too far, uh, we're having some kind of engine, car engine downstairs. So, if guys, if you're hearing vibration, I can't hear it at all. Oh, okay, good, good, go okay. ahead. Uh, Messina 1347 is a 2021 release. Uh, the designers are Raul Fernandez uh, Paracio and Vladimir Suhi. The artist is Michael Petchel, and uh, the publisher is Delicious Games, etc., etc., etc. Fox in the Box, Rio Grande, all of these are publishers of the game. Uh, it is a really interesting game to come out in 2021 because the theme is Messina is the capital city of Sicily. And uh, or Sardinia, which one is it? 
I think it's Sicily. Uh, and it is a, as it was back in these times, it is a mercantile port that is uh, a transition point from goods coming from all over the Mediterranean. Uh, and they had quite a civilization, quite a city that was built up. And then rats started coming in on those ships. The Black Plague descended upon Messina. And the game, interestingly, is about how do you continue on during a pandemic? How do you balance the need to, the need to keep going, the need to help people? versus the need to build new things and all that sort of stuff. How do you And I think I think the answer is by forcing sick people to work. That's, uh, what, that's what the game came Listen, 1347, <laughs> all right? Not the wokest time in in our history. I think we can safely say 1347 not quite that. Uh, but it is interesting that the game is is not solely about stamping out the plague. It's not pandemic, right? What it is, is it's, it's a game in which you are trying to address the pandemic, you're trying to mitigate it, you're trying to reduce it and largely eliminate it, and then you're trying to rebuild even as the pandemic itself isn't quite, uh, isn't quite eliminated, which is, a, 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 I mean, talk about a topical theme for, for where we're at. And to me, yeah. one of the great things I loved about it was that it played that way, right? It felt like that. Did it feel like totally. that to you, Ben? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I'll be honest. I think the theme is a little abstracted. Like, it, I, I don't necessarily feel the theme coming through very strongly, but it's, you know, the little rat meeples are nice, and there definitely is a feeling of, like, uh, you know, there's there the game benefits you from, from healing the sick people. And I, I like – I feel like I get more of a feeling of rebuilding the city yeah. than I do of of anything to do with, you know – the plague um and and there is a nice feeling of okay i'm bringing people back in and there's a little bit of taking the people out healing them up then bringing them back in and getting rewarded for that multiple ways um but it it does feel like they did find the right theme for the mechanic so you know it's not totally abstracted but i i I don't necessarily find feel like i'm larping or anything yeah, no, I guess that, I, I, that would be too far uh, to describe this because it is a puzzly game. It's a very puzzly game. It's uh, old school. It's old school. Yeah, I think so too. So to describe the game to you, uh, there is a modular hexagonal board which will represent the city of Messina. It is a slightly different shape based on the player count. In four corners of the city are these four dock spaces where ships are going to dock. Uh, there is, and each player has their own player board, and their player board is kind of like an estate and its grounds, which is separated into three areas. There is an area for the nobles, there's an area for the clergy, and then there's an area for the the workmen or craftsmen, whatever you want, to, whatever, however you want to frame those. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, there are spaces where you can have quarantine huts, and there are spaces where you can have workshops and those sort of stuff off on the side. You have it is a worker placement game, but a slightly different worker placement game. You have start off with three workers. You can have up to five workers maximum by unlocking other workers later in the process. In the first turn of the game, you're going to one at a time based on turn order, place one of your workers out onto the modular Messina map. And when you do that, you can do up to three things. First thing you can do is you can rescue people or person that is in that hex, right? Uh, if that hex has no plague cube, 
you rescue them and you put them right into your estate, right? If you, let's say I rescue a clergy member, I put them on one of maybe 10, 15 different spots where clergy members can go. And each one of these spots offers a bonus. They offer, it, it'll do something. By having that clergy member with you, he is going to be able to do a build action or he is going to be able to upgrade any, any person that is here into the improved version of this person. He is going to generate fire or generate wood or generate money. He's going to do those sorts of things when you put those guys in there. Um, because there is a mechanism by which you can um, move these three pawns that you have on your estate map, your own personal player map, and as they move, they're basically going to trigger these guys as bonus actions. They're the task mask masters uh, that make sure that uh, the sick people or the healthy people on your estate do the work for you. <laughs> All right. That, that's a little darker than I want to do, but uh, okay. Uh, if, it's however, the Middle Ages. If however, if, however, there is a plague cube in the square when you take that person, that clergy member does not go into your estate. They go into a quarantine hut. And uh, one person per quarantine hut, you're in that quarantine hut for two rounds. The game is only The word six. hut makes it sound kind of fun, right? It's like like you should have like a little like a little tiki drink maybe. Right. You know, right, a little oh, cocktail, little 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 pina, little little yeah, steel little steel drum band tray. outside, that kind of thing. It's the quarantine hut. It doesn't look like that. Those quarantine no. huts look suitably uh, uh, bleak. I would uh, call it a quarantine shed. Well, but let's be honest. Quarantine is a good thing in this game. You go to the quarantine, you get better, and then you can come, uh, and, and then you can come out. So that's good. Yeah, well, it's a little bit of a you know, uh, work will set you free kind of a thing. No, don't you don't. How dare you? How a, dare you? I don't know. It's a weird thing. Like oh my you God. will chop wood while you die of the plague, and if you survive, then you can go. Free. <laughs> wow. See, Again, I, it's I look the at Middle it, Ages. But I look it at it. I look at it as you've been saved. Come help us. We're going to rebuild. We rebuild Messina. Uh, okay. It's like people working. To, people working together to save their city. Again, this uh, the mechanisms in the game are abstracted enough so we can build our own fantasy of what's happening. Yeah. I had no idea. While I was playing this wonderful game of people working together for the for the public good, you guys were envisioning some like some like slavery death well, camp. Well, well, it's like I pick up the sick nun from the docks and I drop her in my quarantine shed. Well, she where she will produce fire and gold for me. Wow! <laughs> for two turns until she is better when she shall work on my estate. Wow. Well, the thing is, no, is that she is, Tom, getting, she is getting retrained in a useful retrained. profession. Retrained in a useful a profession. A re-education camp is so much yeah. better than wow. what we are envisioning, Tom. Let me continue to describe the game. So... Uh, you can rescue a person if they per if there's a plague cube there they go into a quarantine hut if they if they're not they can go into your little estate right then the second thing you could do is you can deal with that quarant that uh, that plague cube if you have fire you need to have fire fire burns out the it burns out the plague fire and makes good. the place safe fire good fire good and then you can take the spaces action and the spaces action is usually something fairly simple like. Take two wood, take two coins, take some fire, 
uh, build something. Advance along a track. That kind of stuff. Uh, or have your taskmaster move to the next nun and, and, and whip her into yeah. shape. And, and, oh, you know. geez, and those are the main actions. Now, after the first round of the game, where you put your meeples, you don't collect them back and then put them out again. That, that's an interesting uh, twist to this. You stand them up, and they proceed to play the game from their previous position. They each can move one hex for free or more if you pay a gold per space you want to move them. It's so a little a bit element. like Yokohama yes. that way. Yes, it is. Very much so. That's a good pull. Uh, it is very much like that. Um, and so over the course of the game, you're collecting wood, you're collecting gold, you're building things. Things you could build. First of all, you could build upgraded quarantine huts. So so that nun that is, that is sitting there just... I think she's lonely. I do. I think she's lonely. I think if she was instead chopping some firewood or, or going out collecting, Making getting some brick. fresh air, yeah. it would be Ooh. a good thing for her to do, right? It's 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 going to be a good thing. So you, so I'm going to upgrade that hut that she's in, and from now on, she's going to produce a wood every turn or two wood every turn. It, it, it we're all in this together. It takes yeah. a village. And uh, you could also build a uh, workshop. And a workshop is where healthy people go and they can do even better things. They can even do better things to kind of build a little mini economy for or you. Or produce turn. victory points. Oh, or produce victory yeah, points. Yeah, in a little threadbare thematically threadbare space where the designers couldn't quite come up with something. So they just said victory point. The end. But... Here's one of the interesting things about the game. The game starts to turn after a while because, first of all, one of the interesting things about the game is that there is a wheel. The wheel is phenomenal. The wheel, you will rotate uh, a space each time, and it is a color-coded symbolism that will show you where to put plague cubes, where to put nobles, where to put nuns, and where to put craftsmen on the city map. And it varies every turn. It's a it's a wonderful way of kind of seeding the board each turn. Uh, and the thing is, is that depending on the turn of the game, the plague gets worse for a while. Like one round, two plague cubes are put in each space. In the late rounds of the game, it takes two fire to burn out one plague cube. So there is a sense of the disease cresting. And then the last round of the game, there are no more plague cubes that are put out. So the disease is kind of abating, right? The plague is, is, is abating there, which creates a really interesting, you know, it creates a, an interesting flow and feel to the round. But the most important thing is, is that there is a, another thing you can do when you put a guy on a space, and that is you can repopulate it. Uh, at the top of each one of those hexes, there is going to be a material requirement. Sometimes there's no material requirement. Sometimes it's two coins, two wood, a coin and a wood, that kind of stuff. And then there are population requirements. It'll show a symbol of two nobles and one upgraded nun, essentially, for, for an example, right? If you have built a wagon at some point, you can then, instead of taking the normal action of that space... You can choose to repopulate it by spending the wood or coins, whatever it costs, and taking from your estate those people. So the two nobles and the upgraded nun, take them, put them back into the supply, and you have repopulated that, that square. And that's going to be a lot of points at the end of the game. But you lose those workers. Yes. Uh, so it's a pivot. You're choosing to convert uh, workers that produce resources into 
points. If you enjoy games with pivots, if you enjoy games with those points where your strategy has to change and you like precisely timing when you have enough resources and you've advanced far enough on your achievement tracks so you can start pivoting away from that strategy to the strategy of repopulation, uh, you'll enjoy this game. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, oh, sorry, it's a classic Dominion sort of switch where you're building an engine, building an engine, and then it's time to cash in and clog up your hand with prestige points and slow your engine down, but hopefully translate them into the most amount of victory points to win. Exactly. And depopulation is a race because you're, you can't repopulate the same district twice. Districts, when you repopulate them, give you different points. They have different requirements, as Tom mentioned already, uh, about which people can move into them. And also geographically, your workers may not be close to the district that you want to get to. Yep. I, I, I have two nobles, a, a, a work person, and an upgraded nun. And there's a district that will give me 14 points for those, uh, but it's on the other side of the board. Um, and a, again, it's stressful. It's interesting it will change from game to game because the hexes are modular uh, and the map is going to be different uh, but if you miss it if you miss that turn if, well, if you miss that uh, curve in the road you'll derail and you may not be competitive after you've done a lot of work in the first half of the game building up all these resources and and racking up all the achievements on the achievement tracks. I've got two things to say about that. One thing is, is that I don't think the game is perfectly balanced. I think that the uh, I've tried a couple times to make a boat strategy because you can claim boats as well. Uh, I've tried to make that pay out, and it never has. Like Even as a supplemental strategy, it seems a little weak. It seems a little imbalanced. Maybe I'm missing Ooh. something. It's possible. But I've played the game like seven or eight times now. Uh, what I will say, though, is, is that one of the later plays of the game was with uh, all people who had played the game at least once, if not twice before, and that game showed me that the pivot that you're describing, Dimitri, which absolutely happens in the early game, uh, is less of a pivot and more of a long wave, because when everybody realizes that the lion's share of points in the game come from repopulation, Suddenly, everybody is grabbing wagons quite early, and Ooh. the the comp the ideal time to be doing the repopulation becomes so fraught, and so right. many people are grabbing all the pl the places that you want to go. That what we ended up doing was we were repopulating in round two. I think somebody repopulated one space because they really wanted it, and round three, and so people were cannibalizing their engines early. And at the same time, using all the rest of their guys to refill their engines. So they were they, they were kind of having an engine that was sputtering but not dying yet, which was really quite interesting. I, I found that that play showed me that there is, there is some depth and variety to the flow of the game that was not quite evident with the early plays. Uh, I did that uh, on my third play of the game uh, when I played it with Jennifer and Bruce. Mm. Um, and while... Uh, absolutely. I actually repopulated in the second turn. Mm. It nerfed me. <laughs> uh, and in order to do that, and I agree that it, it is a 
viable strategy, you really do have to be positioned on the board yeah. in, in yeah. a way that you can very quickly repopulate uh, the people in, in, in your estate. Yeah. Uh, and I wasn't paying enough attention to that. Yeah. Uh, and even had I been, I don't think it would have worked because of how the uh, modular board mm. uh, was composed. It is a it is a tricky game to get good at because you want to move up these different. There are three point tracks. There are three tracks that will unlock things over the course of the game. One of the things that unlo- that is is uh, putting out uh, plague cubes burning out plague cubes is one track. The other tracks are a little harder to move up, but those are the tracks that unlock extra guys. Those, that yes. is the track that allows the, the people that are activating the people inside your estate to activate two people instead of one. These are powerful, powerful things, but it really is one of these games where you can't do everything and you have to figure out which part of this very complex engine am I going to flog? But there are there are a lot of the nuns. Ways. You always flog the nuns. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of ways to skin this particular cat, and and uh, I gotta say, I I re- I still really like this game. Is it in the league of Ark Nova? No, it is it is not in the league of, of Ark Nova. But I I think in the in the canon of Vladimir Suhi, I think this is still still a hit. I think it's a really good game. Uh, Matt, when you when I played that game with you, you said this might be a game for the ages. This this might be a demonstration game of a certain style of gaming that may not be the most popular right now, but will always have some cachet among gamers simply because of how pleasurable it is to uh, try to solve and combine the puzzles. Uh, the puzzle of the mechanisms and how they fit together. Did you say that? Yeah. Well, here's where I was going with that. Uh, I, I feel like my my game brain has shifted quite a bit in the last couple months, and it comes from really focusing in on one game, which is Agricola. And I feel like the more I've focused in on one game, the more I've realized what a completely different experience playing one game repetitively at a high level is from learning a new game and playing it two to five times and then having an experience and then, you know, thinking, Oh, maybe I'll pull that out once a year. And I'm starting to realize how few games I ever really knew. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, even the games I consider my favorite games, like, like Marco Polo or, uh, uh, Medici or, uh, uh, I mean, not Medici. What, what am I thinking? Um, Lorenzo. uh, Lorenzo, thank you. Um, or Twa, you know, how, would I enjoy these games more at 50 plays or less? I mean, my instinct is I think I would enjoy them even more at 50. Mm-hmm. But after having played Agricola, you know, close to 100 times now, I, I, I feel I have a very different feeling about what makes a game great. And I f- like even thinking about like Oath, how we played it two or three times and you say like, it's just not, I don't like it. Like I, I, I don't even know what I like anymore. I feel like I'm at the place now where it's like, I don't know if a game is good because the game itself might be when you are playing with a table full of high level people. And then it actually, the game reveals itself. And while sure. playing Messina, I was thinking this fee, I'm getting that feeling of a game where I could imagine the joy of four strong players 
all playing this. And, ex- and, and once everybody is at a certain level, it's those little inches of left and right of how you're going to eke out those few points and everybody scores within two or three where the game actually becomes wildly interesting and exciting. But uh, so, yeah, I'm just in a different place with with games in general right now and, and looking at it from a different perspective. I still really enjoy learning games, mm. but I'm not sure how confident I am in my opinion anymore on games after only playing them for two or three. I feel like what it is, what I've, the 10 years I've had in this hobby has been having opinions on the learning process of a game and very few opinions on the actual game itself. Huh. Interesting. Well, however, I, I feel that when I'm recommending a game based on a few learning plays of it, I'm actually recommending it to people who want to learn it or who will be learning it. I will be recommending it. I like I'm I'm not recommending go see Hamilton 50 times. Uh, I'm saying go see Hamilton once, go see Slave Play once, go see The Northman once, uh, go see Everything Everywhere is Illuminated all at once, mm-hmm. once. Um, but that's a completely different way of experiencing a medium. Of, sure. of course, you know, you, uh, the first experience of watching a movie is, is not the same as the first time of, of experiencing a board game. And, and some games are designed to be played once or sure. a couple times. But, but you I, always I have to aren't. play but you always have to play it once before you play it a hundred times. Look, there there are some games that are cornerstone games. And these are games that you know are, are gonna survive a hundred plays easily and that you can always go back to it. There's always a home for you in this game. It is it is so solid and so well designed. There are other games that are really good games. I have no idea if I could get to 100 plays with it, but I know that I definitely could play could play this game at least 10 times without wearing it out, and maybe a lot more. Uh, and, but the and, question is, yeah. would you rather do that than put 10 more into a game you know deserves 500? Well, it, th- this is the this is the deeper versus wider that we that we constantly uh, are, are up against in this hobby. I would lo- there are certain games that I would love to play once a week, every week of my life. I would, I, you know, um, I got the uh, what's it called, uh, Western Empires and Eastern Empires, and at uh, last night's game night. I put out all the maps, and you know my big conference table. It takes up the entire conference table, this mega civilization, 14-player monstrosity. And just looking at it gives me such feels and, and such a connection. And that is one of those games that it's, gonna t- it's a 13, 14-hour game. It is an all-day game that I salivate over the opportunity to, to play again. And I, back in the day... Back in the day, I probably played an all-day game of Civilization or Advanced Civilization 30 times, 40 times. And for a 12-hour game, that's that. just think of how much time that is, how many reps that is. That's crazy. Uh, Matt, um, about Messina, what is it about that game that makes you believe right now that it could be a game that someone could play 100 or 200 times and could be a game that a number of really experienced first-class players could take to the next level because there are hints, there are clues that you see right now. 
Yeah, it, it's the simplicity of the rules. Mm-hmm. It is the uh, structure, how there is a strong structure to the game, a beginning, middle, and end, different mm-hmm. sort of openings, different middles, and then branching paths paths that become sort of exponentially different, the, you know, how, how you go down those routes. I think it's lacking a, a, a variability and a, a variability in setup that I think. I, I'm not sure how much the map moving around makes a game that much different. I, I've never found it that difficult to sort of get where I wanted to get to on the board. Yeah. So I'm not sure it totally matters. I mean, of course it can a little, but it's not It's not a wildly different game to, based on how you randomly put out the, the tiles. Um, the boats aren't different enough or impactful enough that the randomness of that matters. Um, so I, I think the main variability is the order that the buildings are going to come out in. Um, and even that, there's a phase to it, which is kind of nice that I haven't felt like I explored enough, which is sort of the age one, age two buildings. Yeah. Um, and there's, you know, anything with a structure with, with I hate to use the word elegant, but a simple set of rules um, with uh, that belies a, a you know, a, a, a huge amount of potential strategic depth and very little randomness. Yeah. Um, those are all things that I think can potentially create a very competitive experience Wherein, you know, and that it's something because Jake always jokes about it. It's like every week he comes, he has to learn a brand new game. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I always used to be like, yeah, that's what we do. And I don't know. I'm kind of in the place right now where it's like, I think I'm enjoying the, I, I enjoy more of an experience of sitting down and knowing a game. Maybe it's because I'm just exhausted. And I have two young kids and the idea of every night sitting down and filling my brain with, you know, 45 minutes of brand new rules could be a little exhausting, but I also just love just the fun of four people sitting down. Everybody knows what's up. Everybody knows the game. Everybody remembers what happened in the last one. You did this. I did this. What are you going to try this time? And just the joy of like the creativity and actually experiencing each other's minds in a way yeah. of like getting to actually sort of, you know, ha- have a, a repartee with each other's in- intelligences and not just who listened the best, who imbibed, <laughs> you know, a one hour teach the best and, you know, I'm just, I guess I'm tired of all of our games ending in like, well, that was a learning game. I feel kind of like all we do is play learning games. <laughs> and so having the experience, and look, this is my fault for creating a podcast um, and your guys' fault for keeping it going. But, you know, I, part of the joy I'm now experiencing that I've, I've sort of lacked in the last 10 years because of my overindulgent FOMO and buying every game mm. is that it is all learning games. And boy, what a joy it is to really experience a game. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I will say that uh, since Ben has come on to host, and now that we have three hosts, it does. Four. four. Uh, uh, oh, Matt is not. Not Matt. Okay. I'm I'm going to be hosting a Perseverance review in two weeks. There you so, go. Oh, so oh, four. Okay. Back in the mix. Four hosts. Sorry, I didn't mean to. I certainly didn't mean to. This was not an insult at all. I'm just saying three oh, three no, hosts in the, in the main rotation. Yeah, you, Tom, Ben, Trey, and Matt. Yeah. It creates a situation where I don't have to, each gaming session, be playing the next review game. I have weeks yeah. that I can play totally. what I want to play. And so, and guess totally. what? You know, out comes Santiago, out comes El Grande, out comes Food Chain Magnet, out comes classics that are games that are up, in, you know, closer to 100 plays or more. Uh, that I re- that I really do love, and I, I love peppering those in too. I, th- I think I think both experiences are are valid and interesting. I like I like exploring new things and seeing what yeah. new designers have done. And and let's face it, uh, listen, Agricola is unbelievable, but 
there are des- uh, the designers of today are standing on the shoulder of giants, and they're coming up with with crazy good designs e- each and every year that are well worth checking out and well worth playing. So I, I enjoy that too. What I will say is that uh, having played this game, I think eight, I think it's eight times now. I have seen the following. I have seen a person uh, uh, have a strategy of ignoring the pandemic, the, the, the plague entirely and playing only for spaces that are, you know, never dealing with, uh, with sick people, only getting, only getting well people and only dealing with the economy of the game. Surprisingly successful. Like if you, if you don't have to take fire, if you don't have to, if you can ignore fire entirely and all that aspect of the game, you're limiting yourself somewhat in the amount of people that you get into your. And your you're game. also ignoring one of the three main achievement tracks, but he, and, and but a huge this, generator this of points. Wailed on the other on the on the other tracks. They had five people early in the game. It was very interesting. That's very a, impressive. It was a very interesting strategy. I have seen uh, people. Only get one like almost entirely one type of worker that they that that they wailed on and kept getting one type of worker so that that one segment of their uh, of their area was supercharged. They they doubled the amount of actions they get to take there. I've seen people race to five guys as quickly as they possibly could. I've seen a lot of different ways to play this game, and I think it does speak to what you're talking about, Matt, which is there is the the, the structure of the game and the amount and the the simplicity of the interlocking mechanisms is such that I do think that there is there is some some depth to be mined in this game, and uh, for that reason, I do recommend it. You will have to yeah. deal with a couple of minor annoyances that I want to mention. First of all, there are three kinds of workers in the game: the nuns, uh, the uh, the nobles, nobles, and uh, yes. craftsmen. They workers, pretty much yeah. do the same thing. Um, there's not for me enough of a variety yeah. uh, to justify thematically and also in gameplay uh, the differences. They're mostly restrictive categories Mm. that are way for you to not be able to populate a district unless you have the right uh, variety of people, but they don't function in a way that's different for me. The, The other thing about it is that the player board has two sides, uh, a less advanced and a more advanced. And for me, there's not enough difference between the two sides. And and some of the iconography is extremely confusing uh, in terms of the frame. This frame requires an advanced nun, and this frame requires requires a novice. They're all exactly the same, and the other side, they're asymmetric. So the difference is everybody having their own different boards or everybody having the exact same board. And and I, I think the B side does there's more the the registers the scrolls which we didn't really talk about we don't have to talk about that in in this review but uh, yeah. they're 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 quite different I, I I think that that with with more plays you might notice that the the B side is actually a, a significantly different game in it, a good way it is a different game but the asymmetry for me does yeah. not justify the confusion understood. Understood. It's not enough of an asymmetry, guys. I want to. I want to move on to uh, to our talk about Baxi's. Any last any last comments we want to make about Messina? Uh, I, I I think it's really interesting. It, it, the time flies when you're playing it. I found myself totally engaged, and it's something that I I would be excited to play. I've, I've played it 
the solo game is it's not worth buying for solo. It's an, it's a good way to learn it. It's just sort of a beat your score and and uh, the AI is it's not an AI. It's just a blocker. Mm. It just gets in your way. You turn over a tile, tells you where to place. You know, so you can't go there. Um, but it's a fun, it's it's decent to learn it. Um, I think it's interesting. I think you know I I really like Vladimir Suchi. I I don't think I've played a game uh, of Vladimir's that I don't like. Uh, I like this more than Praga. I think. Um, not anywhere near as much as underwater cities. Um, but I think, uh, I think it's strong. Yeah. I mean, my favorite Suhi game is his first one shipyard. I absolutely adore shipyard. Uh, but I do, I like this game very, very much, uh, in a way that I did not, I did not engage with Praha uh, particularly well. Uh, but I, I think this is a very, I think this is a very good, very interesting game, especially if you're into more puzzly games where you're really trying to think, you know, you have eight things you want to do, and you're going to be able to do two of them, right? Uh, that that's a little bit of the, uh, the the first few plays as you're you're trying to figure out how to how to navigate a plague, uh, and mm-hmm. certainly timely. It is a it is a timely theme for a game. Yeah, that is our review of Messina 1347. Now we're going to move up to our member specific segment. We're going to talk about Baxies. We mention them all the time. They have a, uh, a an infantilizing name that we that we give them, Baxies. I wonder if that is uh, meant to shame people that take them. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. But uh, if there's anybody out there that doesn't know what we're talking about, I don't think there is. But if there is, Baxies essentially is a uh, large umbrella term that means I am stepping outside of my turn order. I have finished my turn, but I want to go back and I want to change something that I did, right? And generally, it's a do-over. It's a do. It's a do-over of of some sort. Now, a mulligan. A a mulligan. Well, though there we don't want to offend big Irish. I appreciate that. We we want to use a more neutral term. Yes, yes. Uh, I do think that we sometimes talk about backsees. In the sense that, oh, you know what? I was supposed to get five bucks because I did this. I didn't get those five bucks. I'm going to take those five bucks. Is that a backseat? No. And in fact, that's number two. That's a mistake. That's number two on my uh, what is not a backseat. Uh, Tell me what for- is not a backseat. Okay. Dimitri. So first of all, if you forget to collect resources, you might or, be a redneck or or, or or add points that you've earned. That's not a backseat. Except if resources are limited. If somebody's made a move based on how many resources are available to them or how many resources you have at Mm. that moment that they're counting on. If it's a race and you achieved something that someone else is going to grab in the next turn. I believe that it's still not a backseat. It still should be allowed but it could be problematic under those circumstances. Okay. All right. Uh, number two, mm-hmm. uh, you should co- correcting an illegal move. Okay. Is not a backseat. Uh, if if you made a move that you could not have made, if you didn't have the resources to make it, uh, Matt, in, it Matt in Hansa uh, the other night. Uh, I had a move that we we, we discovered was uh, was incorrect, and we had to back up three different people's actions to get back to it. And the great thing about Hansa is you can figure that out. You can be like, okay, you do this and you do this, and it was like it was surprising how quickly we were able to unwind the game state to the point of the error and redo it. Right? 
Uh, sure. And mm-hmm. then when we were playing, when we were playing um, uh, uh, Dawn of Empires or Rise of Civilization, realized that he broke a rule uh, in in placing one of his cities and and backtracked. There's a problem with that too, though. Not every game is as easy as Hansa Teutonica in rewinding back to that point, and it could be very complicated. It could be impossible if you don't remember exactly what the state of the board had been sure. at that time. Uh, so those two instances of, of collecting resources and accruing points uh, and correcting an illegal move, they're not backseas technically, in my opinion, but right. they can still cause problems even though they should always be allowed. Right. Um, so of the three of us, who is the most hostile to the Baxi and who is the most liberal in the granting of Baxis? Because there are some instances where there is kind of a social convention where you, you say, oh, I wish that I had done this. Is it okay if I do this, right? And, and there is, uh, there's arbitration that happens at that point in, in games to some degree. Yes? I think I rarely care about a backseas. And again, because I'm usually just playing learning games. And in a learning game, what are we doing? We're here to learn. Of course, take a backseas. Make your best optimal move. You know, as long as we don't have to rewind the game too much and it slows down the process. Sure, make your optimal move. We're learning. Now, in your Agricola games, which are online, backseas is not an option. No, absolutely not. Well, so, that's why you have a confirm button, right? <laughs> well, well, yes, but 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 still, right? It, it is one of those no, things. And at that... any time when everybody knows the rules, and we've played it a lot, mm-hmm. and this is a competitive game, uh, competitive meaning we're having fun because it's competitive, not because we're trying to destroy each other, right? Uh, then yeah, if you if even if you made a mistake, even if you forgot something, even if you didn't check your card and forgot that two turns ago it should have given you an extra wheat. Yeah, you made a mistake. Part of the game is keep it. It's hard to keep track of all of it. That's a level of skill. And, you know, once we are all at the same level, if you made a mistake, well, then that's part of your game story. And that <laughs> you, you've lost points because of it. And I bet you'll remember the next time. That's but if, of- it's a le- if it's a learning game, of course, just go back and do whatever you want, as long as it doesn't totally disrupt the game and make everybody miserable. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think there is a sliding scale to this, and that is something that I want to want to talk about. I think we can save that for a, a little bit later. But uh, there is sometimes some value in the no backsies. You play play it as it lays, uh, a kind of way of playing a game that sometimes the sometimes the backsie, sometimes the, that that uh, that allowance. Um, can hinder us, but, but there are reasons we do it, right? Like reason number one, the backseas are there is because it makes a game friendly, right? It makes a, a, a person sees that, oh, I really wanted to do this instead of that. It, it makes them feel welcome when they're able to, to redo little errors that they made. And the more unforgiving the game, the more important that is, right? Yeah, and we're all usually all trying to figure it out too, you know. So if so, it's like if somebody sees something, it's like, oh, guys, I did, I totally forgot you can do this. Like that would change my entire game. And it's like, all right, well, cool, do it. And also, that's fun. Then it's like, let's all play our best. Now, now I have to up my game a bit because you, you know, blah blah blah. You know, like we're all we're all trying to play as best as we can without, you know, we're trying to help each other learn. You know. Yeah, um, I feel it's my duty 
and everybody's duty to allow everybody to play their best game. Mm. Okay. Uh, I, I agree with that in principle. Okay. So then the question becomes is the what is a good game? And and there are two definitions of that. Uh, one is is your priority, as you said, Matt, to learn the game. Is it a learning game? Is our priority to master the game, understand what the game is trying to teach us? Mm. Or is our priority to become better players? Is our priority to become better performers? Mm. Right? There are no backseas in sports. There are no backseas on stage in a theater. Oh, video review, maybe? Uh, but that's yeah. really ab- about that's a rules. That's a rules clarification. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, so, so that, it, that's the backseat. Like you forgot to take your five bucks when you took that action. It's exactly. Right, got it. It, yeah, it, it's okay. not a replay. Uh, or uh, like you, you, you pay. You didn't pay enough. You, you, you gave yourself a a, a, a cheating that you shouldn't have had. Right. And now we yes. need to rewind because that's not. That's actually not fair. You, yes. you, you forgot that you don't have that bonus anymore. That's right. And why I'm not. While I'm not as big a sports person as you or Tom. I've played in an orchestra. I I, I've been on be stage. Less a sports fan than I am. <laughs> well, I'm not as big a sports fan sports, as Matt, okay. who watches no sports, and Tom, who watches literally no sports. Zero sports. Well, there I, you go. I, 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 mean, been, I, I watch you. In my defense, I've been in an orchestra. <laughs> but what I mean by that is when you're playing with a lot of people and mm. when you're performing, and, and when the emphasis is on performance, uh, that then you can't take a backseat and your goal is to become mm. uh, uh, as close to perfect as you can in the moment. See, for me, the most important purpose of the backseat or the most important reason that, that backseat should be allowed to some degree in games is actually none of that. It's actually speed of play. If there are no backseas, there is much more AP. There's much more analysis paralysis going on because you know that you better make this decision right because you're not going to be able to go back. Whereas you're able to play a little faster and a little looser if you know if there's some small little thing, most likely people will let you go back and, and change that, right? Let me, let me give an example. Age of Steam. Age of Steam, the, the rules of Age of Steam do not allow for emergency shares. There is a very, very common uh, house rule that allows you in Age of Steam to issue an emergency share. Normally, when you issue a share, you have to do it at the beginning of the round, and you get five bucks for it. What this rule says is that if you can't pay for things, the game has a very draconian way of allowing you to pay for things. You lose victory points in order to make up the difference that you owe, which can knock people completely out of the game. So nope. what they say is, is you, instead, we're going to allow you to take an emergency share. And you're going to get only three bucks instead of five bucks, which is a penalty for not having budgeted correctly. But at least you're not being knocked out of the game. Uh, that said, I have recently played a few games of Age of Steam where we have tried a no emergency share rule, where we play by the rules of the game. And interestingly, what it does is it changes game behavior. It changes the way we play. People are issuing more shares because the penalty of paying a little extra interest because I issued a share too many is way less than the penalty yeah. of, of not and actually created a, I'm not going to say a better game, but definitely a different game. And, a, and to my 
to my eyes and ears, a kind of a more interesting game that way. I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I actually I feel you did a disservice teaching the game to me like that. And and I actually had no idea that that was a house rule until I bought the game myself and read the rule book. Oh. I, I, I had no idea that you guys just made that rule up. And I remember we, we didn't reading make it. Up. it. We, we, we used, it, was, it, it had been used for a long time when we, when we did it. We don't okay, make well, up it, anything this genius. Well, it, it, it was, I don't even think it was in the rule book that I read in the new version, but it, it, it's definitely not in there as, as a basic no. part of the game. And I... I immediately read that and it was like, oh, I've never played this game. That's <laughs> a completely different game. This is, I mean, I've been playing bumper bowling this entire time. <laughs> and, 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 and I actually, you know, look, yes, play with the emergency shares if there's a player who's never played before. Yes. But after that, hey, guys, you can die. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Everybody good? Let's play. That's the game. That's the whole game. I feel like you guys took the entire game out of the game. We did not. I was actually I, shocked let, that, that that had been happening for so many years. Let me be clear. And I, With that rule, we have, we have called it for years, we've called it one of the meanest games ever invented. With the rule that is that, that we add in, still one of the meanest games. You're yeah, say, but you're saying but, it's a totally different game because it's not 10% meaner? No, it's not. It's like, it's like, do you want to play nuclear war? But we're all going <laughs> to like, but like, you know, you're still gonna, uh, you're just gonna slowly die of cancer as opposed to just die instantly. I would rather die instantly. I, I, I would rather be at the dead center of the bomb. Like I think it's a then you really learn how to survive. We who are you know, about like, to I, die salute you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I I really like that. I was shocked by that, and I think that's a good example. Like I I think that's a backseize that actually changes the entire feeling of the game and the way people play. And yeah, I don't know. To me, that was like, there so, are there are a number of games that I think might operate very much that way. That it, that there there are some games where backsies become more negotiation because everything that I did or didn't do affects you. Even Agricola, right? Because Agricola, if if I was like, oh, I should have taken the wood, I didn't take take the wood. The next guy is like, no, you can't have a backsies. That's my wood of now, course. right? That's yeah. my wood. So there there's. There are games where backseas is much more uh, palatable because, frankly, the actions don't change so directly and, and people aren't jumping on the thing that you didn't do. And then there are some games where that's the game, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would go so far as to say I would rather not play Age of Steam than play it with the emergency share rule unless I was – we were doing a kindness and sure. teaching the game to somebody for the first time. But to me, it's like, that. what are we playing this for? There's Listen, a million other games, but that got safety nets. I have no, pro I have no problem with that. Yeah. You yeah. know, you know, I don't have a problem with that. I, the, 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 the yeah. meaner, the, the meaner, the better, as far as I'm concerned, I don't think, I think you may be overstating how different it is. It's not, it's different. It is definitely different, but I don't it know. is not. It's that like different. going out to, I'm going to have another bad metaphor. It's like, we're all decided to go out to sushi, but we get there and they go, Everything's going to be cooked a little bit. <laughs> you go, okay. I thought we were having sushi. Okay, I don't know why we've cooked it, it, it a little bit. It is not. It's like it's like you go really to the sushi. sushi you go to the sushi place, and they say, "Hey, guess what? We got some. We, we got a shipment of uh, fugu fell off a truck. We think it's probably good, or we we don't have any fugu, <laughs> or we don't have any fugu. That's the difference. So we're agreed that there are, are some games that are better without backsies, right? There are some situations that are better without backsies. I guess to some extent, like if we're not talking about learning games, what is is 
Baxi's a problem or not a problem, but is it a is it not as great a feature as we think it is, right? If we all know what the game is, we all know how to play the game, is the is putting Baxi's in essentially what Matt described, but putting the bumpers up in in bowling and kind of like ruining the experience of it. I think that in sports, there's something called coaching. Uh, nobody is out there on the floor or on the field uh, or in an orchestra seat or on stage alone. Uh, they've studied uh, their performance. They've practiced their performance. Um, they've been taught. They've been coached through that performance. Uh, and the coaching happens in real, li- in real time as well. You're alone in, 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 uh, when you're playing a game. Uh, there is a, a point uh, where if you had help, you would be able to realize something immediately. Sure. Uh, but you don't. Mm-hmm. And are you always going to be in the flow? Are you always going to be in the moment? And is that always going to be the expectation? Every Friday, every Tuesday for five hours at the end of a right. busy week sure. or in the middle of a busy week. Uh, no, it can't be, right? That's why there's the difference between a learning game and a game that you know we're playing to play our best. And even in a game where we're playing to play our best, we're all friends and we're going to understand if somebody made a huge blunder because they're tired at 11 o'clock on a Friday after a long week. Of course, of course. Only in a tournament environment are you ever going to really go crazy about no backsies. So... In the backseat situation, because let, let's drill down on our social contract. If there is a legitimate backseat that you want, a person has to say, has to request the backseat. Is it a is it a single person? Is there does a single veto kill the backseat? Is that is that is that our rule? That's usually how we play it. That's usually what we do. We say like you know we all have to agree with this. Um, you know. And I feel like the only time that ever becomes sticky is if this isn't a learning game. If this is a game we've all played a lot, and you know what? Your backseat is like really ruins my whole strategy. Now, there, there, there gets some interesting stuff there because are you benefiting because you were hoping this person would make a mistake? Or are you benefiting because this person didn't see the correct line to victory and it went past them and you were so excited that they didn't see it and now you're bummed they did see it? And in that case, like, what is the spirit of the game here? Like, you know, at what point, like, could I call the next day and be like, you know, in hindsight, in fact, I would have done this. Can we, can we meet next week and start from there again? It's a a timing issue, right? It's it's a a timing timing issue because you're making mistakes all the time in games. Right. In, you, it, if I've never played a game and I didn't make a couple mistakes. You, nobody, nobody does. Even the best, you know, I watch, you know, Lumen play Agricola every day, you know, on, on stream. And even he notices mistakes he's making all the time. And he's probably the best Agricola player in the world. I don't make mistakes in Avalon. Let me be clear. Never. Ever. Ever. Uh, I've yeah, never so, I mean, seen like, it, it, it does. It does. <laughs> you know what I will say? One thing that actually does annoy me. Yeah. The somebody else pointing out the backseat that that sometimes can get a little tricky if somebody goes yeah oh actually you know what uh, uh, uh on your last turn it would have been a lot better for you if you had done this and then you will hear somebody groan like really you need to tell them that right now yep. because yep. that totally ruins my game by the way so thanks and yeah. then it becomes a weird thing of like well now you're sort of spoiling my fun because 
you're yes, you're a better player and you're giving them the better move. And now you've, you know, sort of nerfed my optimal play, you know, so that, that gets a little tricky. I'm 100 percent going to cop to that. That is me. I am the guy that, that does that often. But it's but it's also because I'm the one teaching the game and yeah, I'm teaching yeah. it to people that don't know the game. And right. a lot of the times when I'm pointing that out. I am pointing that out to get them to be more aware of what's going on in the right. game. You're trying to teach them, yeah. But, but it can be difficult for somebody at the game when it's their 10th game and this is the person's first and that person's really trying to improve their play. Well, and as, as, as Paul will point out, he's like, it's interesting that you when you point those out, it's almost always at somebody else's expense and never yeah, at yours. Yeah. And I'm like... Yeah, I mean, I don't. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not intentionally doing that. But yes, there is. And there's there is a there's thing. a difference also where I, I'm totally okay with the other person backsies if it's now Dimitri. I just want you to understand, if you don't do this thing right here, your game is over. Yeah, you know, like because I don't want Dimitri to realize in five minutes that his game ended and he's got 90 minutes left because then I know the rest of my night is ruined. So I'm okay pointing out, uh, you know, a mistake somebody else is making not to single you out Dimitri, but somebody else making a mistake and, you know, making sure that they're aware of it before we continue because I see it, everybody else sees it. And I don't want to have this person be miserable for the next two hours. Yeah. I mean, last, just last night, two new people learning Arc Nova and there was a point when I was like, okay, they're not doing any conservation projects. I better goose that. And I said, yeah, right. notice that I am I am already at like eight on the conservation track. You guys are at zero or or, or one. You need to be focusing on that. It, it, it is it is as important as those tickets. You need to start thinking yeah. about that. And elders looked at me. He's like, dude. Look at where my association his like association was at four or something like that. He was about to do to do one. Right. And I was right. like, Oh dude, I'm sorry. I did not mean I totally didn't mean to to do right. that. I'm just trying to get these these guys up to speed. Now, none of them took a took a backseat in that situ situation, but they did take some backseats over the course of the game. I, I think mm -hmm. the the only time it, it becomes a problem is when a person is knows the game, they're taking that 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 backseat. And it is directly harming another player because because another player literally is about to take their turn. They're about to do the thing that you're backseeing to be able to do, right? And I think that's right. that's that is a valid frustration, and you should be able to to do that. You should be able and, to and, say. And, no. and, and on the flip side, we've all had a moment where we realized after our turn mm. that we made a game losing mistake. Yeah, and. Part of being a good player and being a friend and being a good person is going, man, I just blew it. Yeah. All right. That's it. I'm not going to make everybody go back. I, you know, but wow. Okay. I've learned a lesson here today. And, <laughs> and you know, we all have that moment where that person is just steaming and we can all feel it, you know, and, uh, you know, David Gillison's about to flip the table and, but, but, you know, he then goes, okay, it's all good. Lesson learned. That sucks. I messed up, my fault, and I've done it a million times. And we all do it. So, you know, that's the that's the anti-backsy. That's being like, I'm not going to backsies here because I made a mistake. And it, yeah. you know, then that, that's okay. And that's a learning experience. Yeah. So I think what we're saying, if we're if we're summing up our 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 backsy policy, it is 
if it is if there was a rule violation or if there were things that weren't taken or weren't paid for, it's not a backseat to go back and take care of that, right? If you want to make no a, matter of the cost, right? If you want to make a different decision that you made. Uh, that is going to have to be something that you're going to have to ask and you're going to have to get permission. And if anybody wants to veto that, they can. And we try to to restrict the... We, we try to be as uh, as generous with our backseat policy as possible on a sliding scale from new game to well-played, many, many times played game, new player to veteran player. And... Uh, relatively little effect to the other players to massive effect on the thing I was about to do, right? Those are those are kind of three of the dynamics in which we go from being very low chance of veto to a much higher chance of veto, yes? Let me ask you this. I mean, I agree with everything that you said, but there's one dimension that we haven't quite addressed yet, uh, and that's flow. Mm. When you ask for a backseat, you have achieved an understanding of the game that you didn't have when you were taking your turn. You realize something, yeah. right? You have become a better player. Okay. Um, but at the same time, you're stepping out of the flow. I don't think a person who's in the flow will ask for a backseat. A backseat, by definition, means I'm interrupting what I'm doing yeah. right now and I need to backtrack. I'm going against the flow. And another thing that a backseat does is it doesn't just go against the flow, and forgive me for using flow metaphorically and actually at the same time, but you're not just uh, going against your own flow. You're also going against the flow of all the other players. You're asking them to step out of the world of the game, to yeah. step out of their decision tree yeah. uh, and, and consider something outside of it. I can definitely think, or I can definitely picture uh, situations where that would not be acceptable, even if that backseat sure. would be not a backseat. Uh, but I think as someone who experiences flow very rarely during games. And when I do experience flow during games, I don't like it. Like, (laughs) no, no, I'm serious. Like uh, when we uh, played Perseverance, uh, Matt, that that game that I won with, with a lot of help and coaching from the other players. But Paul mentioned that I was so in the moment that I was so focused and like stone faced and, and just just not paying attention to the theme and just like pulling the levers of the game. You were in the flow. I wasn't. I don't like it. I, <laughs> I love being in the flow in other situations. I don't love being in the flow in games. I want to be more interacting. I want to be more social. I want to be having more fun. Yeah, other people. <laughs> right. Exactly. I don't want to be that person, but I can, I guess I've lost. No, no, I, 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 but, I get it. But a seat goes against the flow comment on that. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. And there are some games that are backseat proof. Right there, that you literally can't like Ricochet Robots. There is no such thing as a backseat. It's impossible. Sleuth. Avalon. <laughs> well, Avalon has a mulligan, right? We can we can have to restart well, okay, before the game could, starts. You could start the entire game over. Correct, yes. correct, correct. Yes. Uh, diplomacy. 
you write your orders, you hand in your orders, the orders are read out. You can't then change your orders. It breaks the game utterly to do that. I will even say DMocker. I can't think of a situation in DMocker that you can legitimately do a backseat, right? Oh, there's a built-in backseat. Remember, you can pay for a poll and then bury it? Yes, that's but a that's kind but, but of built-in. But you're bidding on back, it, right? Backseat, and you yeah. can't backseat and say, oh, you know what? I didn't want to bid. Let's just go back down to when the bid was at 40 instead of like <laughs> sure. 90. There is nothing like that, right? And you you can't suddenly take back a, a shadow cabinet member that you were playing. It's like there's there's really no, no backseats in that game. And maybe part of it is that's the flow of that game. It's not really a personal flow so much as the the ebb and flow, the movement of that game is is, is such that once you've committed your your decision, that decision by the very way the game is designed is it has to be binding, right? And you can't go back, which is an interesting thing to to think about. Like how many games that I that I love is there really no option for uh, for going for going back? Maybe because you want to be in the flow and you want everyone to be in the flow. It's not that you're being mean. It's not that you're being the super competitive monster. It's not that you want people to hurt or or be punished for every mistake. All of those are true. Okay. Well, we know that, right? (laughs) But but Tom, maybe the listeners know. But (laughs) but I believe that you really want to be in the flow and that backseas interrupt the flow. Matt, uh, do you have a thought? Yeah, sure. But again, like it, you know, it, it depends on how uh, detriment, how, how horrible game shattering the backseas is to the person. How far we're why- there's just a lot of parameters on it. But I think the spirit is always anything goes in a learning game. Um, yeah. Most of the games we play are learning games. And then if we've if everybody at the game has played it multiple times, I think then it comes down to a you know it has to be a unanimous vote. And if everybody's cool with the backseas, yes. But if one person isn't, hey, you've played this enough times. Yeah, you know it, you got to sort of you know suck it up a little bit and yeah. be okay with not playing a perfect game. Matt, it is such a pleasure to uh, to to be on mic with you again. It is it, it is great. You are you, you're a little missed. I, I haven't you know haven't had you you, you and I haven't uh, chatted on the podcast. Even haven't chatted off podcast too I much know, recently. I know. And it's a uh, it's it's. I'm glad that we're starting to do that more. Very glad. Me too. Me too. And I, and I'm I'm I signed up on the we have a podcast sign up sheet where we decide you know what games we're reviewing and when. And I signed up for the middle of May to review Perseverance. Still looking for somebody to co-host with me on that. Uh, I might so be. Yeah, your, I'm I might gonna be try. I'm going to try to at least host every uh, you know once around at 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 the least. But Love hopefully it. it's getting a little easier. And you know what? Honestly, like the fact that we have it all worked out now, doing it on Skype and stuff is the. Uh, you know, or whatever, you know, not doing it in person makes it so much easier for my schedule. So, yeah. And, and the three guest format is also, it's, it's nice. It's, it, it removes a little bit of, uh, of mental, uh, work, right? Because it's, there's a little more flow, a little more time for you to, to think about what you want to say. Yeah. And I'm, I'm pretty much able to parse out one game night a week right now which you know that that is the hardest part it's just i just need time to play these games so i can review them so one, once a week is is usually able it's just it's hard for to get a set schedule with it because my week seems to change every week in terms of which child happens to be sick this week and you know so <laughs> there's a little bit of a last minute like anybody have time for a game night in 30 minutes <laughs> so yeah and then dimitri i just want to i want you to hear it from me all right you did nothing wrong last Avalon game. 
you got caught. It's going to happen. You did nothing wrong. You played a very good Merlin. You, if he hadn't spotted that, we would have been golden. Paul had no idea. We were, we were solid. You played very, very well. Well, actually, I, I feel the fact that Bond is watching me closely is <laughs> an honor. He's he's observe he's an observant dude sometimes, but uh, yeah, he got you. That's for sure. He got me. I got God. Uh, that's all the time we have today. We're not going to have time to get to a sommelier. We got to we got to figure out a way to shorten shorten things so we can get to the sommeliers. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, once again, I will just put in that uh, that plug that Matt said better than I can, which is please do uh, if you can go on boardgamegeek.com and vote for us for best podcast we would really appreciate it it means the world to us and if you have a quote bernie once again i'm here to ask for your support there you go there you go uh we also have a youtube channel youtube.com forward slash c forward slash game brain pod a facebook group and a discord channel that are both very active super happy to to see how active they are please get in those board game sommelier questions we will eventually get back to them and ladies and gentlemen you I've been listening to Game Brain, produced and edited by Matthew Robinson, Tom Donnelly, Trey Alsop, and Ben Mandelker. Special thanks to Daedalus for our incredible music. More on Daedalus at GameBrainPod.com. And thanks to Edomar Peleg for our incredible graphics. You can get graphics of your own by checking him out on that very same website. You can reach us at email, contact at GameBrainPod.com, or on Twitter at GameBrain underscore pod. Thanks for listening. Go play some games with friends, or make some friends with games. <laughs>